We're continuing in the book of uh, 1 Thessalonians. I'll be looking at chapter 4 this morning. So I'm going to read the chapter and then we'll uh, make some comments as we go. Finally then, brethren, we urge and exhort in the Lord Jesus that you should abound more and more, just as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God. For you know what commandments we gave you through the Lord Jesus, for this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you should abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honour, not in passion or lust like the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one should take advantage of and defraud his brother in this matter, because the Lord is the avenger of all such as we also forewarned you and testified. For God did not call us to uncleanness, but in holiness. Therefore, he who rejects this does not reject man, but God, who has also given us his Holy Spirit. But concerning brotherly love, you have no need that I should write to you. For you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. And indeed you do so toward all the brethren who are in all of Macedonia. But we urge you, brethren, that you increase more and more, that you also aspire to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business, and to work with your own hands as we commanded you, that you may walk properly toward those who are outside and that you may lack nothing. In the first three chapters of this book, Paul has been encouraging the Thessalonians to persevere in the face of adversity and there was a lot of adversity and Paul had already experienced that in the time that he had spent in Thessalonica, the persecution, the rejection and his need to get out of the area for his own safety but he had spent enough time to convert a certain number of people and to encourage them to walk in the way that God has called us to walk, if we choose to be his children. And as we've gone through the first three chapters, we see things that Paul has said. He highlighted their work of faith, their labour of love, and their steadfastness of hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. He encouraged them because they were an example to all the believers in every place, chapter 1, 7 and 8. He commended them for their turning from idols to serve the living God and their looking forward to the heavenly hope that comes through serving the Lord Jesus Christ. He said that they were constantly in his prayers and he had nothing but praise and encouragement for them. And so it might seem a little bit odd then as you get to chapter 4 and he launches into a a subject that you might think, hey, he's writing to the church in Brisbane, Queensland in 2021 because of the pressures and the challenges on God's people today to give in to various cultures, which includes so much immorality and so this letter would not be out of place if Paul was writing to us today to challenge us to keep our faith, to keep our focus 
how we had begun our walk to continue in that walk. And so it seems a little bit odd then that Paul's already said, you're doing great, you're doing all of these things and I commend you for them. It's excellent, you've got a reputation that it goes all over the area, all over the known world probably for your faithfulness. And then he urges him, but I want you to do it more and more. And we think, well, hang on. He's already just got through saying how good they've been doing. Well, I think as Steve and Peter have pointed out the background of Thessalonica, I can understand Paul's concern. These are new Christians, only a year or so old. But according to Timothy's report back to Paul, they're doing pretty good. But there might have been some things that concerned Timothy. He's passed it on to Paul and so Paul is going to address some really important issues that Christians of every age need to face and need to be concerned about. I picture myself when I'm, I'm listening to Paul saying, I want you to do it more and more. I'm, I'm a, I love rugby league and on the rare occasion, as some of you would know, the Broncos do all right. And occasionally one of their speedsters on the wings will get the ball and they'll run just about the full length of the ground. Have you ever found yourself, whether it be in football or a sporting activity that you follow, and and somebody that you're barracking for is way out ahead of all the others heading for the, the finish line, but you're saying, come on, come on, come on! And there's nobody 50 metres away that's going to catch them, but you're just urging them on. So I can see Paul in the same situation, seeing these Christians doing very good for the time that they've been Christians and from the background that they've come out of. He's urging them, but I want you to do it more and more. Don't slow down. Don't give up. The goal is just there. Keep aiming for it. Keep striving for it. And he uses a term here that is a very common term throughout his writings about the Christian's walk. Now, he's not telling these Christians to watch out for potholes out on the street. He's saying watch out for things that will trap you in your Christian walk. And because of the background Understand that Thessalonica is is made up of a a variation of cultures. You've got the Roman culture that is very dominant. And immorality, anything goes. You've got the Greek culture that were also known for their sexual pleasures and desires to be fulfilled outside of marriage. And then you've got the Jewish influence So you've got quite a mix of cultures and people from each of these cultures are trying to pull you in their direction. Does that sound familiar today? We have got a variation of cultures and sadly the one thing that was the problem back there is the problem today. Immorality to the majority is neither here nor there, both then and now. 
And so it's understandable that Paul would write back to a new group of Christians and say to them, keep on more and more what you're doing. Keep your faith, keep your focus, because there are influences out there that are trying to pull you back, trying to cause you to stumble. And Paul emphasises in verse 2 that he's not just speaking his opinion. And often we get accused of that when we start quoting Bible. People will say, oh, that's your opinion. You can read straight Bible and people say, but that's your opinion. No, that's what the Bible teaches. And if you have been called by God and you have accepted that call to become a child of God, there is a certain way that God wants you to live and me to live. And Paul was urging the Christians then to keep following that walk that they had been called to. So he says, you've received from us how you ought to walk to please God. And so this was the title of the lesson that was given to me, living to please God. Unfortunately for many, Getting baptised seems to be the beginning and the end and then you can just live how you want with the expectation that one day God is going to say, well, it doesn't matter but good on you, uh, enter into heaven. Paul is saying, you have to walk. Walk is not sit down. Walk is not lay down. Walk is momentum. Keeping on, keeping on. It's an ongoing process and he says that we've been called to sanctification now we are sanctified in Christ Jesus when we become Christian but sanctification is not then and there and that's all there is to it it's an ongoing process how we become more Christ-like every day in our life James's words ring loud and clear he says Keep yourself unspotted from the world. That's what Paul was saying to these Christians. Keep yourself unspotted from the situation that you came out of, the immorality, the destruction of life and soul that was there. Keep yourself unspotted from the world. And I believe that if Paul was writing to us today, he would be saying, keep yourself unspotted from the influences that are being pushed on us every day. And how, how many times in the last five years, maybe, have we seen laws changed that are anti-God, anti-Christian, anti-Christ, and we're being told, you have to accept it. You can't speak against it. And I think I've used Israel Folau as an example, of a rugby player that has been denied his profession because he's got a religious view on what the Bible teaches and he dared to put it in print, simply quoting words from the scriptures. He's been kicked out of rugby union, reluctantly accepted overseas to play and then because COVID stopped him playing his his football over there. So he's come back to Australia and now trying to get back into lower grade rugby league and he's still got hassles. 
and whatever you think about Clive Palmer, he's backing Israel Folau and going to back him financially to try and get him back into the sport that he loves. He's been persecuted for his Christian views, his religious conviction based on the word of God. Are we anything like the time that Paul wrote his letter? I think that Thessalonica, if I can use a little phrase, was a sex-saturated society. But I don't think it's much different today. I made a comment to Steve only a few weeks ago. I I said, I think we're like Sodom and Gomorrah. Everything that was immoral back there is the new morality today. And we're told you can't speak against it. That's the way it is. You need to accept it, keep your mouth shut and just go along with it. Well, Paul says don't be influenced by those sorts of views. I've got the wrong page. No, I haven't. That's the right one. Abstain from sexual immorality. It would have been difficult for those Christians to be seeing the people that they used to associate with, the places they used to, to go to, the knowing about the activities they used to be involved in that brought them pleasure. But now knowing that this was contrary to the way that God wanted them to live, Paul is saying, move on from that and then keep on going away from that closer to Jesus Christ. Keep your personal life pure. Because that's what God called us for. He called us to purity and he wants us to live for purity. You turn the TV on and what's some of the first things you see? Nudity, scantily clad women, enticing people to look at them, to get the wrong view. You look at billboards and it's trying to get us to to go that way. You read the papers and it's half full of all this sort of thing. You turn the TV on and, and, you know, so many of the programs, we just switch it off. One of our main programs now is Channel 34, looking at the way that Aboriginal people were treated in shame because so much on the normal TV is not fit for our viewing and we need to have the control button at our control and turn it off because we can say, oh, well, you know, I'm, I'm more mature than that and it's not going to influence me but if I'm seeing the same thing over and over and over and over again, I'm going to be influenced by it. And Paul is saying to these people, you're walking past these things that you used to know about, but think about the glory that you've learned through Jesus Christ. I want you to go harder all the time to achieve that goal and not the pleasures of sin for a season. As I said, this theme of How you walk is a common theme of Paul. He's already used that term once in in chapter 2 in in Thessalonians. In Ephesians he uses it. 
talking about the Christian walk and being sure that you know what God wants you to do, how he wants you to live. And you know what? We're not going to know that if we switch off after baptism and we don't pursue our growth spiritually. We're not going to know what God wants. It's a growing process. So when people say, well, the cultures are changing, so we've got to keep up with culture. No. No culture is better than God's culture. doesn't matter what it poses, what it suggests, what it presents. No culture is better than God's culture for the way that we ought to live. You know, we, we often hear the term, my body is mine and I can do with it whatever I want. Well, you know what? That's true. But not if you want to please God. People might argue, well, the governments have changed laws and so it's okay then to do this, but last year it was illegal. You know what? All the law changing under the sun doesn't change truth. Doug just said to me a moment ago, I was commenting about his walking stick and something about my father's walking stick that was bent and he said, you know, the only way to know if something's right or wrong is put it up against truth and see which one comes out the winner. Truth never changes. And that was Paul's message to the Thessalonians. doesn't matter what people out there are saying, truth doesn't change and immorality is never right. God's morality is always right. Paul then goes on after talking about the sexual immorality to abstain from it and we need to be cautious about it and we need to watch out and we need to be uh, disciplining ourselves to get away from anything that might distract us from living for God. He said we need to look after our own vessels. We need to, to keep ourselves pure. Now some people have argued one way and the other. One is talking about your wife. Others say no, it's talking about your own personal body. And you know what, it doesn't really matter which way you want to go, it's talking about moral purity. We need to be morally pure. And whatever decision we have to make to be sure that we keep morally pure, that's the right decision. Abstain from evil. Flee from lust. Turn the television off. Throw the magazines away that are always in your face presenting, this is your right. How many times do you hear that on television? This is your right. Go for it. Paul says, no, your right in Jesus Christ is to pursue the goal that's out there. Don't turn back. Don't look sideways. Stay focused. Then it goes on in in, uh, verse 9 after talking about how we should walk godly before God and according to God's word, he said, we also need to walk godly before men, before other people. Our reputation is what the church hinges on. 
And you think about any time there's a crisis in religious organisations, what does it usually focus on? One individual doing something terrible. One individual. People don't focus on the majority that's doing good things. They want to pick out the one person who's doing the wrong thing and then blast Christianity because of one person. Paul said we need to be prepared to set the example before all men. Stay pure, morally, physically, in the things that we do. He says, but concerning brotherly love, you have no need that I should write to you, for you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. They knew that and they were practising that, loving one another. Somebody has said, you know, you can love people without loving God, but you can't love God without loving people. And he says, we need to keep the love of the brethren first and foremost. Paul said that in Galatians. Do good unto all men, especially to those of the household of faith. Let brotherly love continue. He said, I have no need to write to you, for yourselves are taught of God to love one another, and indeed you do so toward all the brethren who are in all Macedonia. But we urge you, brethren, that you increase more and more. So however good you're going now, Paul would say, I want you to do it even more. There's the finish line. Keep going, keep going, keep on doing what is right, because that will get you to the end. That also that you also aspire to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business and to work with your own hands. Paul said we need to be constructive with our lives. We need to be dedicated to serving, serving each other, serving God in whatever way that we can. As we commanded you that you walk properly toward those who are outside and that you may lack nothing. Someone has written the worst or the best advertisement for Christianity is a faithful Christian. But the worst advertisement for Christianity is unfaithful Christians. How we walk means heaps. People are looking at us. And I ask the question, what do people learn about Christianity from you and from me? I need to ask that question every day. How important is Christianity according to the example that I set, the teaching that I give by my life? Paul, in one of his letters writing, said to the brethren, you are letters of Christ read by all men. Letters of Christ. You are a letter. And every day that you go to work, you socialise, you're in your family environment, whatever, you are a letter that somebody is reading. Don't use your time trying to sort everybody else out. Focus on yourself. Don't be a busybody. Use your hands constructively. Work for good. So I I finished the, the lesson with the same question. 
Is our society and our culture any different than when Paul wrote to the Thessalonians? Now I know that we probably don't have some of the things that they had back there. Idols and temples and those sort of things where immorality was the normal thing. But I tell you what, we've got it in a lot of other areas. You don't have to go into temples, you just go into the hearts of of cities and, and you could call it Sin City. Because immorality is poked in your face wherever you go. Idle people, wasting their time, pushing their agenda and not doing things constructive. And so again, what message does the world read from me? Somebody wrote, a good example is worth a thousand sermons. I want to finish with another passage that Paul... or couple of verses that Paul wrote to the church at Colossae which sums up all of what he's written here in in chapter chapter 2 of Colossians and 1 and uh, verses 6 and 7 as you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord so walk in him rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as you have been taught abounding in it with thanksgiving beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the traditions of men, according to the basic principles of the world and not according to Christ.